Hi there! My name is Kevin and I just recently left the retail industry after making a living inside it for 23 years. In that time I have met a lot of interesting people on both sides of the counter. But this podcast is for those heroic folks working nearly every night, weekend, and holiday to make sure the retail machine keeps chugging. These are their stories. These are the wild things they've gone through. And these are Retails. All right, folks, sit down, unless, of course, you're doing cardio or exercise, and that's how you listen to podcasts, in which case, keep doing what you're doing, because you are listening to Retails, heroic and humorous tales from Retails Frontlines. It's a podcast of the people, by the people, and for... It's really just for people who've worked in the service industry, mostly for a retail working audience or have worked in retail audience, very relatable to virtually anybody who has worked in an industry where you serve the public. This isn't all about bitterness. This is about learning. This is about laughing. This is about having some fun and sharing some retails. As the intro says, my name is Kevin. I'm a guy who worked in retail for 23 years, started this podcast to avoid bitterness after recently exiting that whole environment, and I got to a point where I realized it just wasn't for me anymore. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be for everybody. Not everything has to be for everybody. But we're going to get into more of that, I think, in part two of the interview this week. If you're a loyal listener of this podcast, you know we like to get the business up front, and let's go ahead and get it done now. There's essentially three ways you can support retails. Number one is doing exactly what you're doing right now. Listen. Listen every week, and the easiest way to make sure you listen every week is if you hit that subscribe button. We have feeds on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Hit that subscribe button, the follow button, whatever button it is that basically ensures that you get it to your device, your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever you're listening on every single week. If you have an extra second, give us a hand. Some of these sites, actually, I think all of them let you leave a review. So if you can do that, even if it's just emoji thumbs up, emoji thumbs down, emoji poop, whatever it is, just take a couple seconds in short. The more that these feeds have human interaction, the more it makes them visible to those who aren't necessarily out there looking for it or seeing it because you're friends with me on Facebook or you follow retails on social media. The content is free, so check it out on all those feeds and a lot of them that piggyback. However you do it, we want to get in your ears every single week. Though the show is free to listen to, it is not cost-free to produce. The costs aren't astronomical, but trying to at least break even on this little venture... So two ways that we do ask for financial support, if you're able. If you are able, if you are willing, we appreciate anything you can do. One of those ways is by wearing the Retails t-shirt, available at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Kevin Harvey. There you're going to find mostly shirts from my professional wrestling company, but that's another podcast on the Rise Podcasting Network. If you want to wear the, basically look at your screen, if you want to wear that cover art on a black t-shirt, you can get it for $19.99 plus shipping and handling, shipping worldwide. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Kevin Harvey. And we do have a Patreon site for the Rise Podcasting Network. We're going to par this down to two levels. So we've got Dollar for Holler, and we've got $5 Holler and Early Bird. If you support through Patreon, that Dollar for Holler will give you a shout-out right here on Sponsors Corner. $5 Holler and Early Bird, we're going to give you that same shout-out on Sponsors Corner, and you're going to get the episode early. In fact, I'm recording this on Monday. I think I'm going to have the episode done Monday, so you don't even have to wait until Thursday for that drop. And I think we're going to do away with that $30 reward level because, one, no, obviously nobody's biting it. I mean, we're how many episodes in? We haven't even gotten a nibble. Maybe that will come back in time, but I'm also thinking, I don't know where it's even going to fit in an episode. So let's keep it simple. Patreon.com slash Retails Podcast. That's R-E-T-A-L-E-S Podcast. $1 a month or $5 a month gets you a shout out on Sponsors Corner coming up here right after business is done. And I've been forgetting to say it on every single episode, but follow Retails on social media. If you like the show, let the friends of yours know to retweet, shares, reposts, regrams, resuscitate. I don't know. I'm out of words that start with R-E. Every last one of those things helps, again, get eyes on the show. So you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Retails Podcast. Again, R-E-T-A-L-E-S Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at Retails Pod. If you ever have a question about the show or you want to email us a suggestion, feedback, anything you want, retailspodcast at gmail.com. And let's not forget Sponsors Corner. Thank you to Dan, our most loyal listener. Thank you for your patronage of retails. And just like that, the business is done. And I think we've got a lot of audio left. Full disclosure, I'm recording these bumpers before I've actually looked at the timer for how much we've got left on part two. 
of our interview with a guy named Bobby. You guys got part one of that conversation, a lot of fun with a guy named Bobby, and we're going to throw it over to Johnny right now to get into part two. So without further ado, Johnny, please play back in a guy named Bobby. Let's see here. What are we had some other topics that we were we were things talking. found in computers. Yes, that's that's what we needed to yeah. come back to. So I've found a lot as a technician. Um, you know, you mentioned wine. So the day after New Year's is a popular day to find a lot of alcoholic beverages in computers. Mm-hmm. And the joke I would love to ask, I mean, of course, it'd be very professional and you know, I would gauge their mood. You know, did they lose those newborn baby pictures. And if I can gauge like, yeah, I just drank a little too much and I spilled wine on my computer while watching Netflix. You know, I love to make the joke like, was that really good wine? Cause like this wine's gonna cost you $1,400. Um, <laughs> so alcohol was one thing I found, uh, occasionally vomit you would find. Yep. If somebody would throw up on the computer, maybe as the result of excessive alcohol or, or they were sick. Yeah. Or sometimes you just, if you got a chunder sometimes it, it just happens. You don't sure. have a lot of control over where it goes. Uh, then one of the nicer things I found in a computer was cake batter. Oh, that's uh, fun. S- somebody was, and a lot of people do this, they'll maybe take like a secondary computer and they'll put it in their kitchen for recipes, right? And this person was baking a cake and they picked up their laptop and they were moving it over the bowl or whatever full of the batter and they dropped it in the batter and they cleaned it up. But of course, a lot of it gets inside. And so it smelled really nice. It smelled like birthday cake. Um, milk is terrible because when milk gets warm, it's just the foulest smelling thing or milk based proteins, like whey protein shakes. That's like, if anybody's ever worked out and like lost a protein shaker in the car, you know, don't open it. Don't pop the lid. Like yeah, any, anything dairy based is the grossest thing I ever encountered as a technician that trumps everything that I just said was I was helping a customer with her computer and the computer power down was fine and maybe it was sluggish like it was really kind of one of those smaller things that we're trying to triage and so we're on this counter with the computer and i see a little baby ant on the counter and i i quickly brush it away before the customer sees it right that's kind of embarrassing it's a high-end store and we're working i see another baby ant on the counter and we're in a pretty sterile environment that's yeah. not going to be like full of insects and i brush the second one away and i'm like wow this is really i'm really embarrassed right now and the customer thankfully hasn't said anything. And now a third baby ant comes up, but he comes up under the clutch cover, which is how a computer, a laptop opens up. And now the customer sees it and she brushes it away. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. And I go, oh, you're sorry. Like, I thought this was my store. And then I see a fourth ant crawl out. And <laughs> now my skin's crawling. And I'm just, I am so uncomfortable. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. My, my little boy likes to bring the computer out to the backyard and play. And so now I have this image with this little boy with a $1,500 computer in the dirt playing whatever game, Zoo Tycoon or whatever, and ants are just making a home inside this computer. And I I couldn't touch the computer for the rest of that session. Don't know how it ended, but I was totally disturbed by the whole thing. Uh, similar similar ballpark. That it's Unless you have worked in an environment where you're providing service to computers, you probably haven't necessarily heard these stories, but... There are horror stories. I have been hands-on with a computer that had cockroach infestation. I've heard of those. Those are terrible. Uh, there was one many years ago. Now, it's, honestly, there's almost no big computer towers anymore, at least mm-hmm. not on the consumer end. Those are usually higher-end, pro-level machines if it's going to be a something you pack into a tower. But when it used to be, I mean, you go back, say, 10, 15 years, pretty much the way you bought a computer was you bought a monitor, a tower, and a printer as like a bundle package with mail-in rebates. So when towers were more prominent, there was an occasion where uh, dead, uh, I forget if it was mice or rats, I think it was mice uh, living inside of the computer because there's enough hidey holes inside there. There's enough negative space. It's not a souped out computer. But yeah, found mice living and dead inside of computers. But the the only one that really tripped me up was the cockroaches because with the cockroaches, as soon as you know that's a problem, You've got to like seal every crack crevice on that computer yep. or now your work environment could potentially be cockroach infested. And that's what tripped me out <laughs> basically with the with the team of people that was working on that computer. Seal every cra- crevice, every nook, every cranny just like get gets now appropriate tape. It's not like we're duct taping the thing, but just like every crack duct tape it seal. And then then you have to call the, the customer. Yeah. And 
I remember uh, one, there was two different times I remember having cockroach infestations. And the second time, very vividly remember like the customer being very upset. Like, what, what do you mean you can't service? I'm like, it, this is actually a, a health hazard, like for our store, like this, this computer is, it has an active mm-hmm. like infestation in it. So we've sealed the computer in every way. Like we've actually double and triple bagged it. So mm-hmm. I need you to come get this computer. We aren't going to be able to service it. Wh- what do you mean? And I, all I can think about is what's going on in that house. If this is just the computer, right? And a computer right. isn't necessarily like the number. Like it's not like a, a couple of roaches are going to come in and go go for the desktop. Like I wonder how many roaches might be in that house. Because if you watch any sort of like Billy the Exterminators, any sort of like Learning Channel Discovery, or even YouTube videos of exterminators or people that deal with infestations. Like uh, I always think of moving the refrigerator, or the trash can, and you just mm-hmm. see them scatter. Now imagine seeing that in like an all in one computer and you, you just look through the vents. You're like, Oh, I, I hear a funny noise by this vent by the fan. And then several sets of eyes are looking back at you. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very unnerving thing. Exactly. I, I have one last story about that. Uh, one of my coworkers I used to work with, um, he had a story where somebody brought in a computer to get fixed, again, a tower, like what you uh, mentioned, and it was gold-plated. He's like, oh, my God, it's, it's a gold tower of this really high-end machine. Like, I'm going to introduce myself to this conversation because I just need to take a closer look at this. And he walks over, and he places his hand on the tower to go, this is amazing, and he stops because his hand is stuck to the computer. <laughs> and this customer was such a massive chain smoker that it was nicotine stains. The oh, nicotine had yeah. stained the computer like a, a copperish, goldish color. Ugh. And to your effect, to your point, you know, it's how some of these people live. It's just outrageous. Um, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely disturbing. Yeah, the, Human beings are crazy. The cigarette, that's one that to soapbox on that or to hop on that soapbox with you a little bit. Yeah. The, um, and it's not like I'm a saint when it comes to tobacco. I do enjoy a cigar every, mm-hmm. every now and again. And, but sometimes if a computer lives in just like a smoke den and I'll I'll give an example of my grandmother, one of my favorite people in the world, but in her lighter years, grandma didn't do a whole lot more than watch game show network and smoke and take pills like that. You would go into her apartment. It's not like I'm a giant guy. I'm about just short of six feet. And when I would walk into grandma's apartment, because she would almost always be sitting on the couch, there were like three levels of atmosphere. There was actually like the air that I'm breathing and then a visible, almost like a smog layer <laughs> kind of at, at grandma's head level. And then it would be even uh, more billowy, smoky down <laughs> toward the ground. And in that kind of environment is if, if you're not a regular smoker, you're not accustomed to that smell. There are a few smells in the world that are worse yep. than that. Now, you you take something that maybe is contained in, inside of a computer, for example, and you take off that uh, uh without getting too lost in the nerdy jargon on most laptops, there's what people would call the bottom case or the bottom Mm -hmm. panel. You take that bottom panel off and it hits you like a sack of hammers in the face. Oh, it's 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 crazy how smokers don't even smell it because it becomes so part of who they are. Right. My grandparents too were chain smokers and this was back in the day. I remember they smoked camels and this is crazy, but when they would buy a pack of camels, it came with two token points. Which yes, like I do remember that. Two tickets. I don't think that happens anymore, but you'd save these tickets and they would send you like a Sears and Robux catalog. Yep. You can get jewelry, you can get tents, clothes. My grandparents had garbage bags full of these tickets. Remember me and some neighbor boys were counting through them in like losing track at, in the thousands. We could have bought everything in that catalog and I think we were too lazy. We were just like, well, this is too much work and we just threw it away. Um <laughs> God, I thought I had another smoking story to follow that up with, but yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, that I remember those camel. My grandma too had. Uh, I forget if it was. I think she would switch brands depending yeah. on who had the best kind of coupon things. I think for a while there were Marlboro Bucks, maybe. Sure. Oh yeah, there were definitely there were definitely like Camel uh, Bucks. Cause I remember. Uh, and grandma, she pulled no punches. I, I pull a lot of my personality and my, and you know, I famously am not well known for keeping my mouth shut. And I think a lot of that comes by way of my grandmother. Right. And she would always be like braggadocious about things. Like, uh, I remember one time there was like a fancy, oh, 
a cooler of some kind, something like that. She's like, I, I won that with my smoking points or something, <laughs> but she would, she would actually like, I, I won that prize or I won that through smoking. <laughs> Cause like the grandkids would usually kind of rat. Oh, you shouldn't smoke smokers or jokers and all the things you expect kids to say. Kevin, have you ever collected points for anything from a good, whether it's smoking or food product and then use it to redeem something? Cause I certainly have. Um, I, I don't know that I have recently because once I got very far into the retail game, especially when I was at the hypermarket and coupons were a thing, coupons were like a chore because you had to sort off the oh, sure. 25 cents off bananas, a dollar off dishwashing detergent. Uh, I think I got just put off of coupons uh, because of my retail life. But absolutely, I, I can only think of a couple things from probably like late 90s, maybe early 2000s. But you, you It's go. an old thing, right? Like you don't yeah. see it. But I did something last year where I collected coupons, and this is really embarrassing, but anybody who knows me knows I'm a ginormous Coors Light fan. And Coors oh, yes. Light did like Coors points last year where you'd get a 12-pack and you'd tear open the cardboard. And sure enough, there was like a big 16-digit code, and you can collect it, and you can get a lot of Coors swag. And I collected tons of points. I'll tell you what, I did get one really cool thing. They were repurposing Coors Light billboard, the acrylic signs you'd see on the highway, sure. right? They would repurpose those and build the tote bags out of them that I thought was really cool. Um, insulated tote bags made out of whatever that material is that used to make Coors Light billboards. So I did get one of those that I still have to this day that I think is very cool. But yeah, uh, coupons and points like that, it, you're right, it's kind of a, a thing of the past. Yeah, the, the couple of things I remember, it's funny, they both ended up being Star Wars-centric. I remember, uh, I don't remember the exact terms, because I was probably between three and five years old, but there was something with, and I, I think it was actually purchasing the figures, and if you sent in five proofs mm -hmm. of purchase, but it was a mail-away, and I got an Anakin Skywalker figure. I remember that those, way. yeah. I do remember that, and that... But I forget if that was, I think that was from the figures themselves, like if you send in the UPCs from the box, maybe... Um, and then there was another one. It was actually when they rebooted Star Wars figures in like 1995 for sure. any Star Wars collectors out there. The Power of the Force 2 line, often one of the most panned Star Wars toy lines because everybody was just like muscular. Yeah. <laughs> and it was in the every toy had to be like He-Man kind of phase of the mid-90s. But that's a whole digression. But it was, uh, I think it was Kellogg's Fruit Loops. And it was saving the barcodes or the box tops sure. or something. But it was Hans, uh, Han Solo in Stormtrooper Disguise. I know exactly what you're talking about. And that is, at least in its day, I don't know where it stands in the collector realm now. It's it's not super uncommon, but it's it's not as common as, say, like, you know, a, a Darth Vader, a regular old Darth Vader figure. Right. <laughs> or a, it, it's no Luke Skywalker in brown tunic. That, that was a rare one. Is that right? Yeah, that's, man, that's a whole topic for another podcast. Maybe I need a third podcast on the Rise Podcasting Network of... There you go. I'm a closet Star Wars collector. Seriously, like, it, literally in my closet upstairs, I should show you. I've got a ton of inbox Star Wars stuff that is worth nothing because by the mid-90s, everybody knew you just don't take toys out of the box Exactly, anymore. right. It's my retirement plan. Or something that's collecting dust beanie babies was my retirement plan for oh, a while yeah. so i'll be working for a long time but that was you know if we want to segue and get into the weeds we can talk about you know huge collections we had because i got hard on beanie babies when i was 12 and i had, i'm gonna give you 10 seconds to rethink of how you were just <laughs> yeah that. <laughs> but no it was massive i mean if you think of i guess the late 90s i had a friend who had the dinosaur and he sold it for three thousand dollars and this is a 10-year-old kid who now is up three grand. Yeah, he might as well be a millionaire. He might as well be a millionaire. And uh, I think the coolest one I had was Tabasco the Bull because they got sued by the Tabasco Tabasco uh, hot sauce company. Ah. And so, like, I had the Red Paw Bull. And I remember getting 100 bucks for that. But, like, that was a lucrative career for at one point. Um, and then I went from that to Pokemon for just a short-lived moment. And those were the, the hot collections I was in. But I don't know if there's a collection equivalent to the Beanie Baby now. Is there? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there is. I feel like we were uh, on the episodes with Vicky and Brandy. We talked about this a little bit because Vicky had her amazing story about how SpongeBob ruined her life sure. back in the year 2001 or so or 2002. Um, but we were trying to think of like what, what today is – popular to the same scale that spongebob would have been in mm. 2002 because that was kind of peak spongebob or at least that was when i was most aware of spongebob at the time 
and I don't know if there's anything. I'm sure there's something like that, and I don't know. Is that Pokemon Minecraft? Go. Yep, Minecraft. Yeah, that Fortnite, was real hot. I think we're now in a video game culture. Yeah. For, now that you say that, I think Fortnite would be the thing because there's what you collect now is like yeah. what is it em- emotes or emotes i i never played it, it it's ba- i understand that the appeal of fortnite i think is just customizability sure. or customization and i know that the emotes like I, I always think of the video game fable where you could like select oh, sure. four things where it'd be like haha and you'd like flex your bicep to impress right. the lady in the village or something so that it, i maybe i'm off on this i'm sure someone will call this out on social media if we're wrong but you can do custom emotes and in fact uh do you, did you hear a couple months ago there was i don't know if scandal is right probably too strong a word that's probably what social media called it because it makes it sound more important but uh, alfonso ribeiro was suing the company and i think it was fortnite it was a video game company because one of the emotes was the carlton dance really yeah that was <clears throat> that was a headline that. several months ago and then there was uh, there was something else along that same time I forget the specifics, but there was actually somebody it was somebody in wrestling that I think was suing a video game company for yeah. their likeness or their gesture in an. It's crazy, isn't it? I'm not. I'm just not sure if it's emote or emote or something to affect. Yeah. It, at least one of those is wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, jokes on me. It's going to be emote or something. Right. It's going to be something off the beaten path. Now to swing it back to retail for a minute. Now, you and I having worked, God, between the two of us, like 40 years in retail at this point. And we're, we're not that old, guys. We really aren't. Right. Least, I mean, I'll be dead in three years with the lifestyle I lead, but we're not that old, per uh-huh. se. We've seen times, and we, we've worked for companies that we know absolutely care for the employees. We've worked for companies that maybe didn't regard the employees all that great. And sometimes that's not necessarily the entire company. That may be a symptom of... Uh, management in a particular location. That may be a symptom of, of something else. It's not necessarily able to be pinned on a retailer. Now, have you ever had times like, isn't more on the employee side where you wished like, man, there's always that, like, it seems like a huge Delta to go from, do I talk to somebody in my store? Or do I call HR and human resources or employee relations? Like every corporate structure has got something like that. But were there ever times where you, you kind of wish like, Man, I wish there was somebody maybe like a maybe a middle step to that because that's that's an intimidating thing when it's like, okay, I've, I've got something that I know. I'm not gonna say if it's right or wrong, but maybe it doesn't feel right. You know, the only time I really felt that way, and this is this is going way back, but it's when I used to work in one of the warehouses of one of these massive retail companies. One thing they were very passionate about was how fast you could unload freight. And these were semi trucks. These weren't like UPS brown vans. These were full semi trucks stacked from the floor to maybe a ten foot ceiling. And I swear to Pete, they would cram. They would cram little DVDs. They'd cram anything on top of a tote. Yep. And I remember at one point, and they were just so passionate about you know unload this as fast as humanly possible. And even one of my coworkers pulled a tote which had a box on top of it. I remember filled with two X boxes came down, hit him on top of the head. He needed four stitches. And it's just like, it's so poorly packed. And that I think was one of the only times where I was like, somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. Because they want us to unload ungodly amounts of freight in like 20 minutes, something like that. When really we probably could have done it in, in 40, maybe 35 and have been more safe about it. You know, kind of did more teamwork there. I tell you what, one thing that bothered me is like, they, they were like, listen guys, if you do this in 20 minutes, we're buying you pizza. And I'm like, pizza (laughs) oh hell yeah i'll almost murder somebody for free pizza (laughs) let's do this let's unload this freight and so i think we did it in like 25 minutes i forget what the time was and you know we got like our free dominoes or something terrible and they always use that as a litmus like see you guys you can do it in 25 minutes i'm like well yeah because you're bribing us with food right and also did you forget about tim who had to get four stitches last week because that box it hit him on the head um so that was probably the only time i was like god I mean, of course, you know, you think of the businesses you've worked for and you think, oh, I could run this better. But, you know, when it comes down to like the safety of yourself or the people around you, um, you know, that was probably the one time. Again, this is such a long time ago uh, where I was like, oh, I should maybe consider reaching out to somebody about this because I think somebody else is going to get hurt again. Yeah. And that that's kind of what the it's a little bit topical right now, because some things in my ancient past have 
I've had people reach out to me that because they've maybe been listening to this show or something, or it's people who I haven't worked with in say fifteen to twenty years or something crazy, or kind of reconnecting. In fact, just today uh, when I put out, oh, we're recording a new episode today. Somebody I worked with it in like two thousand one reached out. I just discovered the show. It's great. I love it. Can't wait to listen. And some people from those those past retailers have reached out in the reasonably recent past, just about, and it's things like safety concerns. Sure. It's stuff like. I mean, a lot of stuff, and I, I resort to the the sage advice of one of my first ever boss, actually my first boss ever, technically. Um, he was the guy who was managing the very, he was the the GM of the very first retailer I worked for, and he would actually end up being the one, first one to ever promote me into management, so on and so forth. And there's so many situations where the, his phrase was, if you have a problem, talk to somebody that can actually do something about the problem. And with him being the, the top dog in that particular structure, he would say, he wouldn't say it to like poo poo things or be like a superior and be like, Oh, don't talk to me. But he would always give the example of if you like, how many of you starting here, are like the, the front end baggers and you, you almost always have one or two hands. All right. So your schedule is being written by a person named, let's just, you know what, since Vicky's a friend of the podcast, let's just say Vicky. <laughs> If your schedule is written by Vicky and you have a problem with your schedule, like if you go and complain to your coworkers about it, and we're not saying no, don't talk to your coworkers and don't complain, that's not going to do anything about the problem. You're still mm-hmm. going to be scheduled outside of your availability. You're still going to be scheduled on that day you requested off. It's like you can come talk to me about it, and I'm not trying to big time you here, but it's I'm going to redirect you to talk to Vicky. She's the one that does your schedule. Like think about that when you have these issues come up. Talk to somebody that can actually do something about the problem. But there's a lot of things that come up that kind of fall in this gray area. Like somebody can do something about this problem, but is that person in this building? Is somebody in this building empowered? And and I guess I'll I'll just ask the question like this, because this is a topic that I'm a little bit torn on because I've been on both the employee side and the management side of this. So my, my views might be a little skewed on this, but do you or anybody that you know have experience like working for a union? It's a controversial topic in the retail world. I have some family members that work for a union. Yeah. And, and what, what if any sort of knowledge do you have in terms of like what, what they get out of it? Um, I, I can't really speak to the details besides the fact how I benefited is they had, you know, incredible benefits, right? When you have that, that type of uh, infrastructure behind it, but above and beyond that, yeah, I mean, I was, I was really young when I, I had a few parents work for a union, and uh, it, it seemed from an outsider looking in and just really glossing over it, like, you know, it seemed like something they got out of it. Yeah, and it's, it's something where I have worked for retailers where I, that while well, I was a union member, in uh, stores I worked in the state of Michigan, those stores were union. And I remember as a kid, I had, I mean, we're talking when I was 16, 17 years old was when I was in this union, and as a kid, I didn't get it. It was just like, okay, I'm paying these dues out of my check. And as a kid, I all I cared about was that the check cleared on Friday. That was the only thing I cared about. I wanted to go in, do my job. I was still on parents' benefits at the time. Mm-hmm. Hindsight, my dad was, I think he was part of a union at that point. I know my uh, my mom was too because she was actually part of the like union culture and things. And I, hindsight, I'm like, I think there was a lot of good that was done by that union. But then as I've worked for other retailers that are sometimes very strongly against the idea of a union, because now there's uh, there's like the employee side where it's, yeah, we have representation. We have folks that are actually their job is to negotiate employment terms and maybe better benefits. And generally speaking, unions to negotiate better something for the employees to truly have the employees best interests. And they're usually uh, for these contracts, oftentimes between one and three years. Mm -hmm. When you hear things like there is a strike at insert place here that's usually the union feels there's a violation of the agreement of some kind that the employees should not return to work until we've sorted out whatever this is like one of the most common union uh strikes or protests if you ever have lived in or around a city i guarantee you've probably seen the giant inflatable rat oh yeah like that's usually a construction site to protest somebody that's using Mm non-union labor um, and there's and sometimes that's a union itself striking. But if you've ever seen like, why is there a giant inflatable rat right there? It, it's a representation of things usually in the ballpark of union interests. And that's where I'm torn in retail because we've worked places where we had some some really great things. But sometimes you get these things that 
come in and it seems like, is there a better way to do that? Is there a better way this can be now and in the future? But who, who negotiates that? And that's, I don't know. It's a, a union topic is something I want to have a lot of dialogue around. So I'm, I'm going to try not to make it a total soapbox sure. on retails. But you know what? If any listeners out there, I've got a lot of pros and cons, and maybe this isn't the place to talk about it. And the more I've been thinking about lately, there's there are a lot of pros in the modern face of retail. So if, if you have questions about it, send an email to retailspodcast, R-E-T-A-L-E-S podcast at gmail.com, subject union. Let's have a dialogue. Let, I honestly just want to engage as many people about this because I'm not necessarily hellbent one way or the other, but I'm starting to think more along the lines of maybe there is a little bit more more room for unions in that retail environment. It's an, it's an interesting conundrum these days. Mm-hmm. It is. So life lessons. A, a lot of the fun of retails is telling the outlandish stories, the sure. the memorable things, the the drunk guy who went out and got in a wreck or people yelling at you because of the cake batter in the computer. There's also a lot of things, especially if you're around retail, and I would say anything north of that 10-year market, it only magnifies from there. Life lessons, stuff that you feel like, you know what, today I am the person I am. I do the things I do. I make the decisions I make uh, because of different experiences in retails. What, what, what's something, what are some things that you know that you're going to take with you pretty much for the rest of your life at this point? I think it's two things, patience and common courtesy, like how you treat somebody. Um, you know, a good example, you, especially after you worked retail or you've been a waiter or waitress, you know, if you're at that local coffee shop, right. And you see that new barista and let's say you haven't had your morning coffee, you're frustrated, you're late to work, you're late to school. Now here's some new employee who's maybe going to screw up your drink and is holding up the line. You know, after I've been in retail for so long, I know what it's like to be that person. And I will, I will just, I'll just leave. I won't complain. I won't make a scene. If I can't wait there for, you know, however long it might take, you know, I think I just, I know what it's like to be that person. And I know if I come back to that store in a few weeks, they're going to be exponentially better at it. So I think you kind of have that. I think you've mentioned this in the past, a little bit of that camaraderie, that patience, you know, you know what it's like for people to make your day miserable and you want to make sure you never do that for somebody else, whether you're at a restaurant or really anywhere else, getting your car serviced. Like if I need something done, if I need a service done, if there's a leaking roof, like I think just being genuinely kind to these people goes a long way. Even if it's disputing a bill, that that's a huge thing. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing I, I, I could take away just to keep it short, sweet and simple. Hell, I had that just, uh, was it? Yeah, just last night I was actually going to go to a restaurant that I go to fairly regularly. And that's another thing, too, is like how I've even said on this podcast with other people, I try to I give people that extra length of yeah. rope. And especially if it's places that you go to often, the last thing you want to do is go in there and essentially shit the bed verbally. <laughs> and now because now let's just say you go to the same coffee shop every single day. And now you go in there and you throw a fit. Well, now everyone in that coffee shop is like, oh, you know, Rob used to be really cool. But now now you maybe you're getting loogies or pubes in your coffee. Or you don't <laughs> don't think anybody really does that anymore. Maybe they do. I don't know. This is retails, not food service ales. Uh, but <laughs> I say all that to say this. Last night I was, I was at that regular restaurant. And when I walked in, now we're talking, we're recording this on a Saturday afternoon. It mm-hmm. was Friday night at a restaurant in a highly populated area. I knew when I left my home that there's probably going to be a wait of some kind. And when I walked in, I was thinking, I might, maybe I should just turn around. But I still, I asked the question, like, how long for a wait? And it was just me, uh, about 10 minutes. And then I was like, okay, I can wait 10 minutes. And about the five-minute mark is I'm sitting there. And I'm, it's a restaurant I've been to enough times that I can kind of tell how it, like, how it works, mm-hmm. how people flow. And I'm a party of one. I'm going... Okay, everything we've got here. Now, it's a, this, this particular place is a rotary sushi location. So it's basically if you're a one-top, you're going to get one seat at the, at the bar, not a whole booth for some guy. And look at him like, there's a party of three there. When they wrap up, then they're going to take that party of three that was here. But basically just look at him like, sure. there's no way in hell this is only going to be 10 minutes. And I'm not – I mean, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm like – I'm not mad. I'm, not, I'm that – slightly irritable version of hungry. I'm not hangry, but I'm definitely at the point where like, I need to eat sooner than I'm going to be able to, to eat here. And didn't make a scene about just, 
all I did was just just walked out. I would have I actually wanted to stop at the hostess station just leave. to okay. tell them, hey, go ahead and scratch you know, scratch Kevin off the list. Sure. But they were they were running around so busy. I mean, it's Friday night, but it's sometimes just be aware of where you are yes. and when you are there too. Like if you're going to any retailer on any variant of a weekend day, mm-hmm. you're probably going to have a longer wait than Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> It all comes down to proper expectations. You knew the expectations leaving on a busy Saturday night, that parking might be nuts, that the wait time might be nuts. And so you planned accordingly, right? So I think it all comes down to that. And I I don't know if there's a better word than expectations, but yeah, if I go to Costco on a Saturday, I'm expecting one of the worst experiences. And it's not a fault of Costco. It's just, it's a zombie film in there. You know what it is. crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, if I, I don't have a Costco membership anymore. When I was going there fairly regularly, if I went to a, a Costco or almost any sure. uh, warehouse environment kind of thing, which Costco is about the only game in town anymore, oh. it was something where I knew there was probably at least a 30% chance I wouldn't survive the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Like, my mortality was in question, just parking the car Spooky. and walking. Yep to it because it's it's just this free for all and nobody's looking yep. and everybody's in the same boat but it's like hey man this is the cost we're all paying for that you know five pack of crest white strips or yeah that, exactly uh, that extra large uh vat of fish oil the three pounds of almonds i need <laughs> yes exactly or the the uh the disproportionate quantity of meat that you'll never cook all the way through right uh <laughs> yeah when i was shopping for a family that Costco made total sense because I could buy a five pack of chicken breasts and we're going to eat three or four of them yeah. just tonight. But when it was, when I got back to, Hey, I'm just a single dude and not doing like bodybuilder mentality. Like I used to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to eat chicken breast nine mm-hmm. meals a day. It's like, man, I'm just, I'm just not going through this stuff. So that's, I don't know that Costco is necessarily there for the, uh, for the single person who's just cooking their own stuff. But that's a, that's another topic for another time. But to bring it back around, like, know what you're in for you're probably not going to be the only one in line you're if you get to like a costco on a saturday afternoon and the parking lot was like breakneck pace trying to just get in there park and get in the building don't be the one who like huffs and puffs and sighs and roll your eyes if you're the eighth person in line at the shortest of the checkout lines I was at a, a big box retailer two weeks ago and you know, I'm checking out with my groceries and the line's kind of nutty. I think it's a Sunday. It's again, expectations. I expected it to be nutty. I'm frustrated, but I get it. I'm not mad. And the lady's checking me out and she's very talkative and she's revealing a lot of information she probably shouldn't. And she goes, um, before I showed up, one of her colleagues came by and handed her uh, a piece of paper with one of the employees' phone numbers written on it. And so I think I saw it. Maybe she saw me see it. And she goes, she goes, yeah, we don't really ask for all these employees' phone numbers, but she was recently uh, let go. I go, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, she was punched by a customer. I go, what? I got questions here. Rewind this story. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, a customer was incredibly upset that we didn't have more lines open. And we've all been there, right? We see yep. 30 lines at the store and four of them are open. As somebody who hasn't been there, Kevin, I get frustrated, but I, I'm patient. Yep. This customer got so upset, a manager had to get involved. And we don't know the details, but at one point, um, the two people leave the store, which if you've worked retail, you never, ever leave the store. And they left the store. Again, we don't know the details. And the customer just punches the manager. And that's it. And then that manager lost their job. And again, we don't know the details. We don't know if the manager just had a nervous breakdown and was cursing this person out, but they ultimately got hit because there wasn't enough lines open at the store. And that's just, it's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's the stuff that always blows my mind sometimes in, in retails and the, the crazier variants of retails is just those wacky, wild, what to, I would think a a normal thinking person who isn't in the eye of the storm would think, wow, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, a a good benchmark that I've probably shared this with you before uh, is it, whether it be just something you're maybe a decision where you're like, I don't know, is this ridiculous? Don't say it in your head. Say it out loud. If you actually say the words out loud and like, wow, that sounds ridiculous. Uh It is like, it is. If it sounds absolutely ridiculous, it probably is like somewhere that person who uh, now if, if we take this at face value and let's if we assume this story is true that okay a customer was mad about mm-hmm. checkout lines manager comes up 
they say, okay, brother, let's step outside. Right. Yeah. So at some point, whoever's, whether it's that manager or that customer, if they could have stopped for just one second and said, I'm thinking about asking this customer of the company that the person is trying to give the company that pays me money that Mm -hmm. will ultimately go in my pocket. I think I'm going to ask if they want to go outside and punch. Right. Oh God, that sounds really fucking dumb. Maybe I probably shouldn't do that, but that's, uh, I've used that for years. Even uh, where you and I worked together, there were times, uh, where there were maybe things that I didn't necessarily personally agree with, but it was the way we had to do business where sometimes when I would try to express concerns with folks be like, Hey, this, I'm going to say it this way out loud. Now I'll tell you the specific example I'm thinking of outside of the microphones. Cause you know, people listen and I got better things to do than to get sued for <laughs> dumb shit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, sometimes you just have to call a spade, literally like call a spade a spade. Like, Hey, if, if we do sure. a, to get to B, that gets us to Z. Well, that sounds ridiculous. Okay, well that that's what that's what we're doing. That's what we've actually mapped out. I literally just narrated like the the policy or the plan or the however we're gonna get from here to there. Mm-hmm. And that could be with an individual customer thing, that could be with a more profound, we're gonna change the way we schedule people or anything like that. Yeah, just that try to remain level. It all gets back to that, like common courtesy and composure and level headedness. It's Common courtesy, it's something, it's a phrase you don't hear that much Mm -hmm. because I don't know if it's that common anymore. We live in a a fast-paced society. Less isn't more, more is more. (laughs) Give me bigger, faster, stronger. Well, Kevin, you've been in retail longer than I have. So when you go back 15 years and you think of like the frustrated customers you work with, would you say they've gotten worse, stayed the same, or gotten better? I think my answer to that may change depending on what industry we're talking about. So like I said, I've worked in three different retailers Mm -hmm. that one is kind of an industry unto itself. And then two polar opposites, Mm -hmm. polar opposite ends of a, of the same industry. And I think there's a very dangerous might be too strong of a word, but I think if I were to apply one kind of metaphor to it, I think everyone's fuses are just shorter. Sure. Agreed. Everything that we do these days has almost everything's to try to get as little weight or no weight as possible. When you got here today, you knew that you'd found the right place. Cause I'd mentioned, Hey, I'm going to order Jimmy John's. Yeah. Do you want anything? Like I offered, Hey, do you want me to order you a yep, sandwich? Yep. So it's here when you got here, you knew, and this was maybe 15 minutes before you got to my house and you said, no, thank you. And you knew you'd found the right house because you saw the Jimmy John's guy yep. pull out. And like, I live in a confusing townhome yeah. area and it's like, Oh, Rob, uh, Rob says, I'll bet that's Harvey's house. Yeah. Cause Jimmy John's is leaving there. So think about what I just said. That 15 minutes before I told Rob, I'm ordering Jimmy John's. It is pretty impressive. And Jimmy John's has already made the sandwich. It's in the car. And it was, the bag was like in my hands when Rob was pulling up. Yeah. Like I already had the Jimmy John's like in less than 15 minutes. And I didn't have to call, I didn't even have to call anybody. I just poked a couple buttons on an app on my phone and here it is. And there's so many things like if, uh, and for my rise business that I don't talk about a ton on here, but it's not a secret. I run this wrestling company rise. And part of it is creating the physical media, the blu rays and the DVDs Mm -hmm. of the events and things. I can hit a couple buttons on my phone and have very cost effective blu rays of good quality on my doorstep. Probably before you leave today. Yep. You hit the nail on the head. I think the problem is is this instant gratification culture we live in now where we've been spoiled so much that having to wait in that long line at that X store, whatever it is, I think just makes us feel like barbarians. Case in point, the Starbucks app, which is, you've talked about it before, it's beautiful. It's amazing. There are combinations I didn't think you can do with a Pike's Place coffee that this app is telling me I can do. And I feel so awesome. I can place that order wait seven or eight minutes, walk in, it's on the counter, I grab it and I leave. And it's such a great shopping experience. However, there's about three or four times a year when that app goes down and we become primitive. Yes. And I'm a very normal and kind of calm person. I feel my anxiety spike when I see an error message on that app and I know I'm gonna have to go to Starbucks and wait in line. BuzzFeed actually did a really good article on this where they talked about kind of how cool the app is, but how people become absolutely vicious and they pulled a bunch of Twitter 
feed posts about some of the ludicrous things people have said. Mm -hmm. But that's the world we live in. And I, I think I blame Amazon. Because you remember when you used to buy something off the internet back in the 90s, you'd wait almost a month to get that mm -hmm. book you ordered. And then two-day shipping came out. How revolutionary is that? So now, if we can't get it within minutes, kind of like that, I think there's just... We feel like we're being wronged, like somebody's insulting us, maybe. Like the standard for almost everything that was like a, a general merchandise kind of item for delivery was always, please allow six to eight weeks for delivery. Yeah. Like almost anything you would order. Seasons would change by the time you'd get that sweater or whatever it was. Yeah, please allow six. Like when we we're talking about sending off the box tops or the camel bucks or yeah, anything, uh -huh. get, that was the soundbite. Like, please allow six to eight weeks for delivery. And now it's... People are getting snippy because what do you mean there's not same day Amazon yeah. drone delivery for my Blu-ray R discs? <laughs> it's just kind of nuts. And uh, I think uh, to the question that you asked a second ago, I've got a soapbox for a minute and then bring it back around to the point as I pretty much always do, I guess, because I like talking. Uh, <laughs> but mm. there is, uh, you said instant gratification. We think of how married and, and I truly believe, now I'm sure the science, there's probably science out there to back it up. I can't cite it. And I'm sure the science is still being proven and disproven because smartphones only really kind of came to be in like, I mean, the, the first major smartphone I remember came out in 07. I'm sure there were some uh, couples, uh, one or two before that, like the early days of smartphones. When you think of like the first, uh, depending on like PDAs before that, and then there was Blackberries. When was the first iPhone? When did that come out? That was 2007. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I think you're... Spot on. So I don't even know if smartphone was a phrase before like right. the summer of 2007 or so. And with these smartphones, I truly believe, and I, I think I suffer from it, that there's a truly addictive property. Because you post that picture on Instagram. No one posts a picture on Instagram and closes their phone and like lets it sleep for more than like two to three minutes. Because you think, I just posted a picture of Ludo over there sleeping. I wonder how many people have liked that. Mm-hmm. And then you open it and you're like, oh, there's no likes on it yet. Oh, maybe I need to refresh the app. Yeah. And then it's either, oh, yep, I refreshed it. And now there's seven likes. I'm going to refresh. Go, Ooh, there's nine. Ooh, uh, Rob commented, oh, Ludo's so cute today. And it's these like, I don't know if it's endorphin or dopamine hits, but it's there's exactly something that, that it's something that happens in your brain where you're just like, oh, refresh. I got to get it. And I think to apply it to uh, what's hard about specifically the consumer electronics world is now you're taking what we talked about, all the baggage that, that can come from whatever happened in somebody's day. Boss fired me, relative died. Uh, I'm worried are all my pictures of my kid gone? Uh, whatever, are, are the baby dick dicks going to make it to the zoo at, before the stroke of midnight? Now you're adding like the, this already volatile situation, a lot of different elements that could bubble over. Now you're adding a property of removing somebody's addiction. And that's the scary part. Because if somebody is truly, and we'll see what science and time dictates here, but if people are truly addicted to, mm. I've got to refresh my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram, my Snapchat. Uh, you and I know multiple people, myself included, who are like uh, OCD about there can't be red bubbles on my phone. I hate yep. if there are red bubbles on my phone. If it's a text people message, People are weird if they're message, okay by that, by the way. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not one of those people who is okay with yeah. seeing I have 14,567 uh, unread emails. Those people are the crazy people. They they have tape on their camp. They have tape on their camp, yes, that's do. for sure. Uh, but, but I really wonder about that. Like, how many situations have you and I faced where it was just, okay, uh, depending on the process, let's just say if somebody breaks a computer. The process may be, okay... You may have a little waiting period. Yeah. Yep, we can see it's broken. It's going to cost this much to do, and we have the parts to do it right now, but it's going to take an hour. Now you're asking that person mm -hmm. to live for one hour, not while they're in bed, mm -hmm. not while they're on an airplane, like one hour of, what do you mean? Uh, you're recommending that I go to Starbucks or a bar or a restaurant and kill time by myself without Twitter? Are you mad? Right. And I wonder how much that really plays in. And I really thought about that, like probably the last two to three years uh, before I exited retail of, because I, a lot of it was dealing with the technology that's always on, always connected, always in somebody's pocket. I mean, when you, when you think of uh, how many people you can think of that 
their jeans, if they wear denim jeans a lot, whether their phone is in their pocket or not, you can tell precisely what pocket they put their phone in because there's a worn outline. I got a pair that's like that, yeah. I was at a, an event at the Sears Center in Hoffman Estates in suburban Chicago not that long ago, and I'm sitting there, and it's like, okay, empty your pockets. I'm sitting there literally with my phone, my keys, my wallet, like in my hand, doing the little scan to enter the arena, and the, the guy with the magic wand actually said, need you to take your phone out of your pocket. I said, I did. It's like, no, I need you. And he started to get, like, not shitty, but, like, right on the edge of shitty about it because he saw the Oh, the, the imprint. Yeah. So he's like, no, it's, your phone's in your pocket right there. I said, no, it's, it's, it's right here. And he's like, oh. And I thought, part of me was like, okay, it was very matter of fact. Like, I could see he was getting right on that edge of I may have to be more firm because at that point he maybe thought I was pushing back. Right. But then he just realized, like, oh, he's one of those jags that <laughs> like wears that one pair of pants every day or something. Right. But but we've all seen it. it's the, the denim imprint of the the smartphone. Yeah, yeah, and you know sometimes people they run their businesses off these pieces mm-hmm. of technology, right? Um, and in some cases, you know, if it's a computer, it's going to take much longer to repair. And we're telling them they're going to be without it for five days, right? And that's obviously pretty devastating to a company. But I remember back in the day. If I had an issue with my Hewlett Packard tower, I was out with that thing for four weeks. Yeah. You'd have to get FedEx, come in, box it up, send it out. You know, they'd end up just throwing on a new OS anyways, and you'd get it back. You have no idea what they did. Um, so yeah, no, I, I get it. And there's definitely an addiction quality to it, whether it's like, like you said, social media or it's your own business. I barely watch my TV, but I live off my computer. My TV could be stolen. I'd be mildly upset, but if my computer was stolen, I'd be devastated. I would absolutely be devastated. So you're right. Yeah, and the, the talking to the point of running a business off it for a while when I was going stir crazy, and it was, it was, uh, it, I didn't realize how much it affected me until again, like we said, if sometimes you don't know how far in the shit you are until you've been out of the shit. When I was working at least forty hours a week as a manager in a retail location, and and with a varying schedule, mind you, mm-hmm. that, okay, you work till 11 o'clock tonight, and you're back at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Partnering all that with running, and not trying to jerk myself off too much here, but running a company that does business coast-to-coast U.S., and in this year has done business in Canada and Japan, and it's not a global empire, but it's dealing with multiple time zones and things, and running that business mostly off of the phone, because my business yep. is hugely driven by social media. And it's something where I, I don't have the resources to say hire you to to run the the rise Twitter account and the Instagram account. So it's kind of like if, if I don't do it, then nobody's gonna do it. And that yeah. the end result is why were you why did you program tweets at three AM? Oh, I didn't. I know that's a stupid time to tweet, but it was the only time I had that day to actually yeah. do it because I ended up being at work for twelve hours that day. But I think it it just made things worse. But then as is I would be working in in my retail job Oh, what buzzed or yep. you know and i have a smart watch as well that'll tell me what's you going phantom on Phantom vibrations too where you think it yes. buzzed and it didn't yep yep phantom vibrations but it's it's one of those when you're running a business depending on the scale you may be the only resource to to deal with that and now i'm sitting here trying to actually run a, a business for another company that's paying me to do as the best job i can and i'm trying to but now i have that buzz and maybe i have to wonder wonder if that's a promoter from Japan because I got six of the girls that are supposed to go to Japan next week and I know I'm waiting on this text about their visas sure, today sure. but it's like now I'm trying to say uh, talk to Rob about an issue that he has yeah. as the customer but now I'm, I'm like distracted and I think everybody's got that because everybody's situations are different even if you just know that say your your uncle is sick yeah and you're you've got that whatever baggage of life that you have you could be dealing with anybody. You could be dealing with that person at the barista at Starbucks yeah. and you feel that buzz come in or you, you look at your smartwatch and you see mom's calling and all, and you think this is it. Yep. My, un- my uncle just, uh, this is it. And now, okay, that's going to be $7. How the hell is it? $7. Yep. It's only four ninety five. Like, okay. But it's, I don't know, man. It's, I, I couldn't, Run my business. Like my business would not be what it is without like smart technology and things. But it, it is definitely kind of like this moral question: like, are we better off for it, or is this is this what's making the fuses shorter? Is this making people crankier? Is it because we're having withdrawals of these uh, dopamine hits or whatever brain activity we get from an Instagram, like a text message, an email? I think it will get better because I we're, this is such a, a 
a popular conversation that a lot of people have had and I don't know how it's going to get better, but I do think, and I hear more and more stories of people who are switching back to flip phones. You know, it's something I've considered, but then it's like, well, if I do that now, I need to buy a TomTom because I don't know how to drive without GPS. And do I have to now go out and rebuy a new iPod because for my, my music and for streaming movies? So I don't think that's realistic for me, but I'd like to think things are going to get better. But if we were to get back onto to retails, you mentioned something I think really powerful and that's baggage, right? Yeah. You and I have dealt with, incredibly irate customers that after you talk to them, you realize that their world just imploded before they came in. Yeah. Um, I have a good story and then maybe I'll, I'll hand it off to you. But I remember I was running the front of business and it was a really busy day. Our sales queue was about eight in line, which meant it was about maybe 15, 20 minutes before you can buy whatever gadget you were there to buy. And so I'm directing traffic and I had a fellow manager come up to me and say, Hey, um, you know, give me something really quick, right? Um, for those of you who don't know, managers aren't necessarily versed in selling a contracted phone on monthly plans, which involves a lot of paperwork and neither should they know how to do that very well. And so that's why I'm not giving them these kind of deep into the weed sales, but you know, more like a case. I need a case. I know exactly which gadget I need. I'm going to get out of here. And so I feed this manager probably the, the third customer in line. Well, the second customer in line, let's call him Tom. He sees that he's been essentially cherry picked. Somebody, Usurper. <laughs> yes. And he comes up to me. He goes, hey, what's, what's going on with that? And I think I was so caught up in the moment I didn't address it the best way I could. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. That was just a really quick and easy thing that he's taking care of. And oh boy, he did not like that response. Beat right in the face. And he goes, oh, so their time doesn't mean as much to me as it does to them or something to that effect. Right. right? And now I start to pump the brakes and go, oh, idiot, that was the worst thing to say. And now I start to see him pace. And that's even scarier, right? It's like an animal that's going about to attack. He's pacing. His hands are to his head. I'm like, okay, I need to defuse this quickly. And now keep in mind, I'm, on, I'm at the front of the store greeting customers while I'm trying to put out this massive forest fire that's about to explode. Yeah, you're, you're the equivalent of like in a hockey game, I've pulled the goalie and all my team members are also injured. It's yep. like me versus the entire line of the opposing right. team. So now what I'm going to try and do in my genius mind is I'm going to just sell him whatever he needs while I greet people that are coming on through the door. And so I'm talking to this gentleman and he's looking to buy a phone for his daughter, right? Simple as that. And I could see he's so frustrated. I go, Hey, you know what, Tom, just, just talk to me a little bit. What kind of phone you want? And he goes, you know, I need this X and X model. I go, okay, Tom, I'm going to get that for you right now. He goes, okay. And I could see him start to kind of calm down. He goes, he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm so sorry. I I'm going through a divorce right now. My daughter doesn't have a phone. She doesn't have a way to get a hold of me. Like, you know, I know you guys are busy here, but like, you know, this is just super important. I just need to get this for her. And at that point now I feel like a complete total worthless, you know what? And I'm like, oh man, I'm like, I'm so sorry. That guy that I sent over there, he's a manager. And you know, I'm joking with him. I'm like, he doesn't know very much. Like he can't <laughs> yeah. sell you a phone. Like he's going to get you the wrong one, the wrong make and model. Cause there's so many different models to pick from. I'm like, I had to give him something easy cause I don't want him to screw this up for you. But Tom, I'm going to take care of you right now. And, and he ended up, you know, shaking my hand and leaving very, very happy. But that was something that started at 10 really caught me off guard and eventually you just kind of talk to these people and you realize like this person's having the worst day of their life yeah and you've just made it incrementally worse because you made them wait four more minutes but that was just the tipping point yeah, there, there's so many of those that there have been over the years but if you can stick with it it's it, I hate to be as corny cliche as like get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Sure. There's also the converse of that. If you rip their wings off, they'll eat anything you give them. But let's say in the retails environment that the more you can just stick with them. Cause I, I think a lot of people have this knee jerk reaction, especially if you've never been in management as a manager or the person responsible for a building, you'd never ever want to get to the point of having to say anybody, customer, employee, you got to go. Nobody wants to fire an employee. Nobody wants to tell a customer, Hey, you need to get out. And you can't just pick that willy nilly because that's where you're getting into. I'll sue you. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe they can if you're actually like refusing people service because there's a whole lot of things that could happen that comes out of a situation like that. But if somebody actually gets to the point where they're like, th if they're posing a threat to safety of anybody in any way, any sort of violent behavior, stuff like that, or if they're truly being unreasonable, and there's a difference between unreasonable or would we really rather just not deal mm -hmm. with this? Because sometimes people are going to be ornery. 
And guess what? That's what you're getting paid for. You're getting paid the same amount of money to deal with the 99% angels and the 1% of people who are just going to be, maybe they're just kind of a jerk. It happens. Mm-hmm. I can be a jerk. Hell, I've probably been, I'll probably be a jerk to somebody today in some context or another as I venture off into the world later. Yeah, it's uh, the the different baggage that, that people have. I know we've said it a lot on this, this particular podcast, but you get into things like, uh, I talked earlier, I forget, one of us brought up the point of like that last voicemail from dad kind of oh, thing. Oh, sure. That, that's a situation that I've seen that last voicemail or that last recording or that last video of a relative before they passed away. I would say, if, if not hundreds, at least dozens of times mm-hmm. that that scenarios come up or that very important email or just something that you, you never know. Think of, I mean, if anybody, here's something you don't necessarily have to do because you're probably driving and listening to this or on a treadmill or something because it's a podcast. But look at the last like five things that you did on your phone. Go, go through the last like five apps that you opened up. What if you didn't have those tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Getting, we talked about, you know, we kind of tongue in cheek. Okay, stop listening to the podcast. See if your stuff's backed up. But mm-hmm. that people live and and die by their devices, man. And it's like I said, I'm not here to say that's right or that's wrong, but it's it's part of the world that's evolving around us. Yeah. Well, to kind of segue from baggage, uh, we can go into like a, an above and beyond story, Kevin. Throw it. Yeah, that's let's go to the other end of the spectrum. When well, you're, Kevin, when you, you're you trying got, to just get to above reproach. You got me in a sad, sappy mood right now. So I'll say one of the saddest stories I have, um, it was ultimately a good story. It's a short story. But I remember I was, again, greeting customers at the door. And this gentleman came in and he needed his voicemail greeting reset. And fun fact, he just came from the carrier who didn't know how to do that. So they sent him to us, right? That's a whole other story on its own. And, you know, this was a bonker Saturday. We're super busy. And I quote something like two hours. And I'm expecting this guy to blow up. And to his credit, he was very calm. He goes, that's a long time. That's a long time, but this is really important to me. I'll wait the two hours. I go, okay. And so I, I gather his information. And he just, he kind of lingers around the store. I get this massive line taken care of. And now it's stable. And I go, you know what? I bet you I could fix this in three minutes, tops. And so I grab the customer. We'll, we'll call him Tim again. I grabbed Tim. I go, Tim, I'm sure this is something easy. Let's just figure out how to reset your voicemail greeting. You know, even if it's just the generic robot, hey, you've reached me, please leave a message, whatever. And we do it. And literally it takes three to four minutes. We figure it out. We hit the key buttons. And now his voicemail greeting has been reset. Now it's a robot, right? And he's so thankful. and He's so happy because I've just saved him a two-hour wait. But then he kind of divulges. He goes, yeah. He goes, you know what? My wife just passed away last month. And um, she was on my greeting. And so it was like kind of one of those happy-go-lucky couples like, hey, you've reached Tim and Sally, you know, yeah. leave us a voice. And he's like, yeah, I just, you know, she passed away. And I just, I want, you know, to just have the generic stock voicemail. And I was like, oh my God. I mean, I, I think I was speechless after yeah. something like that. And, you know, again, he left very happy that, you know, we got it taken care of quickly. But that's, you know, again, one of those things going back to technology, right? And how it infiltrates our life. Um, you know, it was a sad moment, but it's ultimately a, a sweet moment for what it could be. Yeah, and it, it's the power of those retail interactions is it, my challenge to anybody who's working retail out there, especially those who've been in it for a long time. You may have seen a situation hundreds or thousands of times. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance the person in front of you has never experienced this before. And that could be something that's getting serviced, something that's broken, something that's ambiguous. We don't know what's going on. That could be buying a new thing. There are a number of people out there, for as much as you think everybody has a smartphone, there's a number of people out there who go into technology stores every day, cellular carrier stores, big box retailers, uh, more narrow specialty retailers, brand stores that are buying their first smartphone. Mm-hmm. And it's it you can get so caught up in your own bubble that you don't realize that how much impact you can have in someone else's bubble. That's mm-hmm. a scary process. If you try to think of... Let's just pick an age. Let's let's just say a 70-year-old person has never had a phone any fancier than I flip the thing up and I dial my son's number and I talk to my son. Like a phone that maybe is capable of texting, but they have no idea how to do it. And now you're putting the Google on there and the weather on there and the mm-hmm. emails and the this, that, and the other. I don't need all that. You, you don't need all that. We can, we can tailor this to... 
to what you need it to be. And that that's, can be such a scary process. But if you can hang with that person, talk to them on, on a level that they understand, you, you can really be the, it, it's maybe a little cliche, but you, you can be the brightest part of somebody's day. Yep. They can be having that, whether they've been having a day that they're intimidated by the situation or they've had some of those bad, like those hard life things happen. Maybe you can be that spot of sunshine in their day. I loved setting up emails for people. Even if it was Grandma Jean's AOL account on her new device, I loved it. And I worked with a lot of people who despised it. They were like, listen, I study error codes, which looks like a foreign language on its own. I'm above and beyond you know, setting up this AOL account. But I loved it because the second you'd plug in their credentials or help them reset it, they were so excited. It was like you moved mountains for them. And I would just vibe off that. And it was such a great feeling that I had no problem helping out those folks. Like it's, and like you said, it can be a kind of a slow point for you in your day, but it's gonna be a really special moment for them. And that can be your customers. That can be your coworkers too, mm-hmm. because you go into any work environment, your coworkers, who knows what, what trouble they've been having. It's really easy to snap at somebody. Oh, Rob, why were you late? Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was late because I blew out three tires and I basically been through right. hell in a handbasket today, but I still made it to work. Cause I want to be here for you. Like just, just be there for pe- that. That's one of the most important ingredients in retail is just being there. Well, number one, just being there, Actually, sure. like showing up and being there, but being there for people, being there for your customers and whatever it is that they need. And sometimes those are going to be outlandish needs. It may eventually be a retail on a podcast, but they're still there to try to put money in somebody's pocket to mm-hmm. be loyal to that business to like, they want to either buy something and have a great experience or take an experience that hasn't been so great and turn it, turn it around how do you how do you go above and beyond in every case for your coworkers, for your your customers for everybody it just makes the world happier i love it shall we have johnny play us out hit it johnny Well, there you go, guys. That concludes part two of this interview with a guy named Bobby. Since this episode's already over the one-hour mark, don't want to do a whole lot more to make this too terribly long, trying to keep these as close to an hour as possible. But I have seen, and I have read, and I have had a fair amount of good dialogue about unions, both in the retail workspace and even in other places. And again, I'm not trying to sit here and force the idea of a union down anybody's throat, but again, it's been topical, and I think it's worth continuing that discussion. So if you have stories, you have discussions, pro or con union in the workplace, especially if it's in the retail workplace, hit me up with an email, retailspodcast, R-E-T-A-L-E-S podcast at gmail.com. Thanks once again to a guy named Bobby. Thanks to all of you who support through subscriptions, through those t-shirts, through Patreon. And most importantly, thanks for stopping by Retails. Have a great day. (laughs) 